Quiet Tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it I know you can't get enough At home, at work It don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes You know what's up Hey, uh, Rising from the ashes Hello everybody Welcome to Amazing From the ashes I'm Danny Nakedan I am the homie Romy What's good homie? Pooping Pooping? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the bathroom Oh Nine. I can't. I can't get up. I'm actually. I think I'm paralyzed. Oh, did your legs fall asleep? Okay. Yeah, I've been here for a while. Oh man! Someone, someone help me! <laughs> I just need help this one time. I, I swear it won't keep happening. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, man. It's good, man. Everything's good, bro. Um. I yeah. got my. I got my dog a a jacket. I got my dog a sweater. Mm-hmm. It's the oh I can I show you real quick hold for on. Halloween? No, no, it's like just a regular sweater. Come here, Suchi boy. Suchi boy, come here. Oh, uh, it's a jacket. It's a vest. Like legit, it's got the you know it's got the corduroy on it, a little yeah. bit of wool in it, like velcros up, and oh, it's the. He loves it. He loves it. It, it doesn't try to take it off or nothing. No, I mean it's just a, a smidge too small because um, oh, yeah. he's a, he's a large dog. I should have got like a double XL. But Way to go. great. Paris Hilton has a lot of influence, huh? Way to go! Oh hell yeah, Paris is my bay. Dressing up your dogs in clothing. Yeah, they're not humans. They're fucking animals, man. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're going to be carrying the dog around in your purse. No, first of all, I carry him around. I would have to have a purse that is big and probably like a giant backpack uh, satchel. Like a red, uh, a red wagon. Yeah, I just wagging him around. <laughs> Get in your chariot, young Zuchi boy. Uh, no, I have tried to put him in wheelbarrows on the farm. Yeah. And he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't like, he gets in, we start moving and he hops right out. He's like, no, I, he, dude, he's fast, bro. Like this one, like I take him to the park and people say, wow. I'm like, yeah. They say, wow. And I'm like, that's right. Say it again. Just say it one more time. They're like, wow. I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> Enjoy my, my sweet, sweet dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh anyways we have a sweet salty expeditiously dank delicious situation for you guys today with our <laughs> returning for the third time for the second time second time that's right that's right we went on her show once but so third yes, yes. third uh third third interview interaction with navier yeah so in this episode we talk about Sawin or Sam Hain. Um, and we talk about Menahune and we talk about the night marchers in Hawaii. Uh, 
try to keep it pretty Halloween-y. But we do start off with some COVID side effects. <laughs> but uh, let's uh, let's get into it real quick. Help me what you got for us today in R. Art, 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 news news you can trust angel dust um (laughs) (laughs) gotta stop doing that um (laughs) so i have this specific company um that i get my tooth uh clay from and i was um driving and i went to a new co-op and went to a new health food store i like to go to towns uh college towns and like see what see what college towns are nearby and then see what type of like fun stores they have there because usually they have like more like health food stores and whatnot and the same Mm -hmm. company that i use for my 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 oral products makes hair products and we're talking like they are super heady a hundred percent, you know, organic everything and, and so on and so forth. So they had this, they have this hair gel that's made out of seaweed. And I was like, Oh, this is my shit. Like this is, I'm, I'm automatically interested. And they, uh, they flavor it with rosemary and sage. Yo, sign me up. Um, <laughs> but, um, so I decided to, um, just to look up some stuff about, um, this sea moss. CMOS is a red algae that experts have found that could be a new superfood solution to our skin and hair issues. This is because many known benefits of CMOS for natural hair, and it's commonly known as carrageenan. CMOS has been in existence for centuries and um, and can be found in many edible products uh, as as a digestive aid and many beauty products for the benefits. Uh, it has been used in Ireland, Scotland, and Jamaica as folk medicine or Ayurvedic health care. Um, so I said carrageenan, and then I paused because I thought maybe you would be like, oh, shit, I know. I've seen that word before. Carrageenan? Yeah, like C-A-R-R-A-G-E-E-N-A-N. Nah. Okay, it's in all, like, it's in... Like a lot of products, like a lot of like shampoo and stuff and, and conditioners. Mm. It's uh so they've been using that it in the beauty it. industry for a long time. Oh well, look at me, dude. <laughs> I'm not very beautiful. You're absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I don't uh yeah. Maybe you should start using this Irish moss. Maybe. maybe okay. Okay, okay. Is is that what they put in Irish spring soap? I don't made with the oh, do they advertise made with carrageenan? I don't know. Hmm. I have no idea. <laughs> um, Irish moss is, is the dried leaf-like structure of the northern seaweed, Condorus crispus, and is also known Ooh. as carrageenan and pearl moss. This grows among submerged rocks of the coast of France and naturally Ireland. Consuming the seaweed as food has been a historical fact for the natives of lands. Um, oh, sorry. Of Ireland, uh, the plant consists of a greenish uh, frond that turns purple when dried. Irish moss consumed by the Irish during the famine of the 19th century. Irish moss is a small red algae that's about 20 centimeters long, growing from a discoid holdfast 
and branching in a dichotomous fan-like manner four or five times. The morphology is very variable, especially in the broadness of the leaves. The branches are 2 to 15 millimeters broad, firm in texture, and dark reddish-brown color bleaching to yellowish in sunlight. Um... The habitat at Irish moss is found uh, growing on rocks in the middle of inter intertidal zone downwards. Not sure what that means. Uh, intertidal means on a rock and the tide. So that's uh, it is a seaweed that grows among submerged rocks off the coast of France um, in Ireland. The mosses always prefer shorelines, thus found clinging to submerged rocks. Um. Medical applications of this sea moss, a popular remedy made into jelly um, for kidney and bladder affections. It is used to treating irritating coughs, bronchitis, and other many other lung problems like tuberculosis and pneumonia, thus acting as an expectorant, a demulsant, and an anti-inflammatory agent. It has been used as a food for diabetic patients. Recent animal research has shown that antiviral property against influenza and mumps viruses. It is used in treating ulcers and acts as an anticoagulant. The raw Irish moss is used as a laxative, which soothes the entire gastrointestinal tract. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Irish moss helps in the treatment of all kinds of urinary infections, including cystitis or cystitis. Um, Septicis? No, C-Y-S-T-I-T-I-S. It purifies and strengthens the cellular structure and vital fluids of the system. The iodine contained in its small and usable quantities contributes to the glandular system. And we've gone into glands before, my friends. Gland health is overall health. Um, Commercial applications. It is used as mattress stuffing as cattle feed, and as a thickener for colored inks used in printing. Irish moss is available in tea and capsule forms. Irish moss is used as a stabilizer for such dairy products as ice cream, sherbets, chocolate milk, yogurt, whipped cream. Mm. Topical applications of Irish moss include its use in lotions to soften the skin and prevent premature wrinkling, and as a compress or poultice for inflamed tissues. It is used as a thickening agent in cosmetics and a binding agent, like in toothpaste. The jelly of Irish moss is used as a commercial product for the preparation of culinary and medicinal items. The jelly is also consumed as such and is also enjoyed as a thickening agent in soups and stews of all kinds. It may also be used as a thickener in calico printing for fining beer or wine. Irish moss is also used to make a beverage popular in Caribbean. Uh, Irish moss is said to have the power to bring good fortune in all sorts of money matters, both throughout business success and through good luck and gambling. Irish moss is carried or placed beneath rugs to increase luck and to ensure a steady flow of money into the house or pockets of the person. Irish moss is said to be carried in a green flannel bag during trips for protection and safety. For it brings luck to the person. Yep. Excellent. Uh, um, and then just let me give you a little bit more. Um, this is not a test. This is not a test. <laughs> Get out of your house. Uh, Condors Crispus. 
Carrageenan is made from a type of red seaweed known as Condorus crispus. Archaeologists estimate humans have been harvesting seaweed like Condorus crispus for nearly 14,000 years. Evidence of red seaweed's medicinal benefits in China can be traced back to 600 BC, and it was originally used as a food source around 400 BC and the British Isles. Often referred to as Irish moss, the thick seaweed is used for carrageenan grows abundantly along the rocky coastlines of the Atlantic, including the shores of the British Isles, North America, and Europe. The seaweed is especially abundant along Ireland's rocky coastline, where it has been cultivated for hundreds of years for both its gelling properties and foods, as well as purported medicinal purposes. In fact, Carrageenan's name comes from the Carrigan Head, a cape near Northern Ireland, the title which was inspired by the Irish word Carrageen, which translates to Little Rock in the 19th century. The Irish mm-hmm. believe Carrageenan could cure sick calves along with human colds, flu, and congestion. First, the seaweed was harvested, laid out to dry. Then it was washed and boiled before adding to flans, tonics, and even beer. Used simul- similarly to gelatin, Carrageenan became a key ingredient in the classic Irish pudding, Blancmange. Blancmange. Uh, a, del- a delicately set cream dessert. Blancmange is still made in Ireland where even whole pieces of dry red seaweed can be purchased in local markets. The Irish potato famine. famine. Carrageenan was also used to combat nutritional deficiencies in the 1800s during the Irish potato famine. The red seaweed was added to warmed milk with sugar and spices to create a fortified beverage. This drink still consumed today in both Ireland and the Caribbean. As Irish immigrants fled famine and came to the United States, the first American seaweed farming production was established off the coast of Massachusetts. However, it wasn't until World War II when a similar ingredient called agar was no longer available that carrageenan soared in popularity in the U.S. food supply. Carrageenan today, since the mid-20th century, carrageenan had continued to be used in many products such as chocolate milk, ice cream, frozen fruits, and organic items. It is now consumed in nearly every region of the world, including U.S., Europe, China, Japan, and Brazil. Yep. So it's crazy because it just seems like there's either the pollen of the tree or the, you know, the, the seaweed growing on the, on the rock in very specific locations or the shilajit being pressed from the mountain caves, you know, from the far edges of the earth to come together to heal our bodies and our minds. Bliss. Nirvana. Snaps. Jazz. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you, homie. Motor. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we talk about Sam Hain or Sawin, and we talk about Halloween, but what about the Day of the Dead? Dia de Muertos. Oh, um, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. I got it. Uh, what's the name? What's the name? The Mexican uh, deity. I don't know. What is it? Fuck. 
So, Dia de Muertos is a holiday celebrated on the 1st and 2nd of November. It originated and is mostly observed in Mexico, but also in other places, especially by people of Mexican heritage elsewhere. Although associated with Catholic celebrations of All Saints Day and All Souls Day, it has a much less solemn tone and is portrayed as a holiday of joyful celebration rather than mourning. The multi-day holiday involves family and friends gathering to pay respects and to remember friends and family members who have died. These celebrations can take a humorous tone as celebrants remember funny events and anecdotes about the departed. Uh, Traditions connected with the holiday include honoring the deceased using calaveras and Aztec marigold flowers known as simpaza tuchito. Building home altars called ofrendas with the favorite foods and beverages of the departed and visiting graves with these items as gifts for the deceased. The celebration is not solely focused on the dead as it is also common to give gifts to friends such as candy sugar skulls to share traditional pan de muerto with family and friends and to write lighthearted and often irreverent verses in the form of mock epitaphs dedicated to living friends and acquaintances. A literary form known as Calaveras Literarius. In 2008, the tradition was inscribed in the representative list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity by UNESCO. Observance in Mexico. During Dia de Muertos, the tradition is to build private altars containing the favorite foods and beverages as well as photos and memorabilia of the departed. The intent is to encourage visits by the souls so the souls will hear the prayers and the words of the living directed to them. These altars are often placed at home or in public spaces such as schools and libraries. But it is also common for people to go to cemeteries to place these altars next to the tombs of the departed. Plans for the day are made throughout the year, including gathering the goods to be offered to the dead. During the three-day period, families usually clean and decorate graves, Most visit the cemeteries where their loved ones are buried and decorate their graves with altars, which often include orange Mexican marigolds called Sempasuchul. Originally named Sempacajolitacatl for 20 flowers. I'm totally fucking up those words. My bad. In modern Mexico, the marigold is sometimes called flor de muerto, flower of dead. These flowers are thought to attract souls of the dead to the offerings. It is also believed the bright petals with a strong scent can guide the souls from cemeteries to their family homes. Toys are brought for the dead children. Los angelitos or the little angels, and bottles of tequila, mezcal, or pulque, or jars of atoll for adults. Families will also offer trinkets or the deceased favorite candies on the grave. Some families have ofrendas in homes, usually with foods such as candied pumpkin and sugar skulls, and beverages such as atoll. The ofrendas 
or altars are left out in the homes as a welcoming gesture for the deceased. Some people believe the spirits of the dead eat the spiritual essence of the altar's food so that the celebrators can eat the food after the festivities. They believe it lacks nutritional value. Pillows and blankets are left out so they so the deceased can rest after their long journey in some parts of Mexico, such as the towns of Mixquic and Patscuro and Janetio. People spend all night besides the graves of their relatives. In many places, people have picnics at the gravesite as well. What, um, what was interesting about that is that it says that they leave out um, the stuff, but it, um, the spiritual essence of the food is gone. And when, remember when we were talking to Morgan Daimler about how they would leave the food out for the fairies and stuff. Yeah. You weren't supposed to eat the food because the, the spirit of it was gone because they would, they would somehow consume the spirit of the food, but the food would be left behind. But they were, they were eating it knowing that it had no nutritional value. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe to also be, to share it's like a form of sharing maybe i mean they were already sharing it by leaving it out so but that's interesting yeah. that's super beautiful i yeah, like that so they leave the pillows and blankets yeah i like that they do like little altars of their dead and like go clean the graves and stuff like that like we don't do that here in america like you... well some people definitely do i i don't think i don't think it's very popular but um I, you yeah. know I, uh, I feel like it's, it probably should, you know, like if, if it's someone important to you, you know, you, you, uh, should go visit that place and, you know, maybe try to, you know, have some respect for the area for sure. Right? Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 There's a terrible rap video out right now. My, someone showed me the other day of just like this guy that apparently killed some other rappers and the, you know, the other gang was like standing on their grave and just like drinking a bottle is just like admitting to the murders, like just oh. on YouTube, <laughs> just dancing on their graves while all his, all his friends behind him, you know, they're just like, like toting guns and drinking bottles, like standing on the grave. And I was just like, wow, this is fucked up. This is the world we're living in right now. I was like, on top of all the other problems right now, it's just like, you got people thinking whatever type of, you know, petty, yeah. petty gang shit they got going on to fucking try to get some money and whatever honor and respect, if you want to call it that on YouTube. But anyways, um, <laughs> um, I know you probably don't watch much TV Roman, which is fine with me, but I've been watching the show with the woman lately a couple different ones. And one is called uh, Why the Last Man. And uh, it starts out with like all of a sudden all these guys just start bleeding out their nose and they fall over fucking dead. Huh. And like just about every single guy in the world dies except Whoa. for like me? a few with except this Y chromosome or something like that. And there's these very few men that survive, but then all these women like get together and form like coalitions and stuff. And like, they look at men really weird and, uh, it's just super interesting. Cause it's basically about like women taking over the world and ruling the world without men. And, uh, it's, just, it's cr shit's crazy, man. And then, uh, 
the other one is a squid game, which I'm sure a lot of people talk about, but that's pretty interesting too. I I haven't seen that yet, but I've, I've been told about it. Told it's like, you know, people are like, this is a symbolism to what's going on right now. Yeah, that's what I heard too. But uh, I mean, I don't know about the whole symbolism thing in squid game. I mean, I, I know there is some with the rich billionaires watching people die and stuff like that. That I get. That's kind of like from that hostile movie too. Remember, uh, rich people would pay to be able to kill people however they wanted to in the hostile movies. Uh, was that the original hostile? Yeah, they like they're in foreign countries, and the rich people would pay to like have these prisoners basically, and they could go in there and like drill into their hand or something if they wanted to, or oh man, torture this- people for fun. Basically. There was a scene in, in the first one. I, I remember the first one, and I don't remember it being f- f- that specifically, like where people would. Um, I can't actually remember who or how they were killing because I watched it. It was a long time ago. The movie <laughs> it was a out. long time ago. Yeah, it was an old movie. Uh, but um, there's this one scene where they're trying to get out of the hostel, which is like seemingly impossible, and they're in this tiny town in fucking Sweden or wherever the fuck they're at. And she opens the door to you know like where where her friend is and the friend is like no no not even not even but i just remember the guy getting up and they had slit his achilles like heel in the back and he just falls straight forward just gets up and then his achilles are cut so he just falls fat flat face to the ground it was just oh yeah that movie was fucked up um maybe not want to travel abroad (laughs) and stay in a hostel that's for sure Social engineering. Yeah, when well, sometimes they do stuff like that purposely so you won't do that, you know? Like, I remember Freddy Krueger made me scared to go to sleep. And uh, there was a movie, I think it was Critters, that made me scared to go to the bathroom because one of the critters came up from the toilet and ate some dude's ass. Oh, my God. Dude, whoa. Okay, crazy. Uh uh, when I was a kid, I got terrified of Chucky. Yeah. Um, and I would have these these fears of pooping on the toilet. Because uh-huh. and I love how we went full circle with this because uh, this is what we brought. Fucking how I started the, the today on the show. Um, but I I would have this fear that Chucky would be climbing up the toilet yeah. and he was going to stab me in the butt. Yeah. I think Gremlins had a scene too with something coming out of the toilet. Maybe I'm mistaken, but oh, I think yeah, I think that was that because I watched Gremlins and Chucky. So I yeah, I, I, see that that is terrible. They can't have kids watching this shit, man. Yeah, I'm totally scared of dolls and clowns, right? Killer <sighs> clowns from outer space. Raggedy Ann and Andy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> I I should have bought you a Raggedy Ann no. doll for your birthday, dude. Oh, <laughs> well. Um, I feel like that's a good wrap for Halloween, my bra. Yeah, man, that's good. So, thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Here is Navier, Navier. Hey, 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 Laura. Laura, 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 Laura. Enjoy. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. We are rising from the ashes. And 
quickly as the fire tribe will rise. Awaken our eyes beyond what is seemingly laid upon us. We can extend our consciousness to the further ends of our cosmic understanding. If you enjoy our show and you like the content that we create, make sure to like, subscribe, share with your friends. Hello everybody, yes please, please, please do. Also follow us on Instagram at RFTA Podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email us at risingftashes at yahoo.com. We are exclusively on All Media United. Check it out, altmediaunited.com forward slash rising. I'm Dan Unaki Dan. And I'm the homie Romy. What's good, homie? Oh, just another day in the tub. The tub of life soaking away. <laughs> soaking it up, huh? Soaking it up. Soaking up the sweet, uh, superbial, um, uh, mind control uh, games from the technocratic elitist. Man, I need a dictionary every time I listen to you. <laughs> What's happening with you? I need a translator for Roman speak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working uh, on an AI bot for that. Yeah, are you? That's a good mm-hmm. idea. Uh, toothpicks and Q-tips. <laughs> Just like President Biden. What does that mean? I don't get it. You make my head hurt. <laughs> uh so today we are here with Navier Alora for round two. Yes. Hey, hey. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs> hey, hey. My mic was muted. You know what my favorite part <laughs> of Hawaii is? What? Is uh, you get laid as soon as you get off the plane. It's tradition. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a Hawaii tradition. They're super friendly like that. I know. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You get this sweet orchid or pakaki or pua kini kini lei. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. It smells nice. so good. It does. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel like you're in Hawaii too when they do that too, because you're just like, oh, now I'm in it. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Blessed with the vibes from the Aina. Yeah, and you can feel the the vibes are strong in Hawaii too, man. 
Oh my gosh. We just had a huge earthquake a couple of days ago. No way. Did you guys see that? Yeah, it how, was a six point how huge. Six point two. Wow. It's big. And it was off the um off the seamount. So south south point. Um oh. six six point two. You know, so I have four cats and they're jungle kitties, so they're indoor, outdoor, they're rambunctious and you know, they're kind of little small kind feral like me. And small kind. Small kind feral. And I felt some shaking and I thought, cats jumping around on the roof, you know? And um then it felt like this sideways back and forth, like up is down, down is up. Um mm. everything kind of rumbled super long. Um I I walked out of the house because I thought, uh uh-uh. uh. But um, yeah, I think people as far as Oahu and Maui felt it. So a few islands away. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was big. It's off of South Point. So that's pretty close to Kilauea uh, or, or, or where the Volcano National Park is and where the, 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 the major activity is happening, right? So is the caldera filling back up right now? As far as I know, the caldera is still filling. Um, they lowered the alert to orange so it's they expect it to stay in the caldera for now and as far as i know that earthquake wasn't related to the eruption it was just a you know settling weight of the island situation and it was actually Mm. closer to like that new um the new the seamount i think it's like the new island that's forming down there Oh wow! The last flow, there was a mile of new earth created. Like an, a mile of the island was expanded off of the flow back in 2018, right? Yeah, yep, that's what I've heard. Wow, a mile of new land mm-hmm. on the earth, the newest, freshest earth. Some of, I, I mean, I can't. I, I haven't been doing this the, the research as to other places geographically, but for sure, a mile. Of new land. That's amazing. How amazing is that? That's that's beautiful. That's the newest earth that we have. You know, it's the future, the keiki. Yeah, it's super magical here. I feel literally in wonderment every day that I get to wake up here. And I feel like a lot of gratitude for the island and for the people and just to, you know, breathe the air here and see the ocean. And we've been um, taking our van down to the, like our camper van down to the ocean more and making food down there and being with, you know, the, the sea a lot more than we usually do. And, Oh, so nice. It's just, it's a little things y'all fresh air, watching the ocean, just being with the ferns everywhere and yeah i'm 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 so aware of how fortunate i am to be here mahalo nui loa absolutely shit i mm-hmm. it's it's uh, me and my partner have been debating going back there to you know cuz there's a, a young infant involved who's about 4 months old now um and last time she was on Big Island was maybe just a couple months before she got pregnant. And, you know, I, I will say this. 
it is Hawaii is one of the greatest places you can raise a baby. You can raise a child. You can raise a human. Um, babies run naked on the beach all day. You know, there's like communities of moms. They all go down to, um, Manini beach and like all these places and like the community is strong. And, but with all this, you know, and I hate to bring it up, right. But with all this like covidious minimus maximus, you know, etho bullshit that's going on, there's so much strange, uh, bills being passed on, you know, the, to urgent, urgently making people vaccinate so they can get on a plane. None of these bills have passed, but they're in the works. And I'm in this strange, like middle point of like, go now risk. Cause I will never, I'll never vaccinate. I'll never be part of the technic, the, the, the technocratic takeover. Just can't do it. Can't do it. Got to stand ground. Got to stay tall. Got to stand strong for the people. Um, for my genetics also, you know, I'm not trying to be genetically manipulated. It makes zero sense to me unless it's through proper ascension. Anyways. Um, so I just want to ask you as someone living on the island, is it, is it a legitimate concern to, for an unvaccinated human to be, um, debating, um, moving to the island? Hmm. Well, I'm no expert, but the word on the street is that there are, um, you know, vaccine passport situations rolling out or wanting to be rolled out for pretty much everywhere. So I know that Hawaii um, is, I think, like 60-something percent fully vaccinated. But from what I know, people that are flying in here that are vaccinated don't need a test. People that are vac are not vaccinated need a negative test, like a, a an approved one, not just anyone. And to me, that feels like it doesn't make any sense because we're experiencing a big spike right now, and it's an, a closed unit, right? This island is a closed unit. People yep. coming in are the only way anything's coming in. And people that are vaccinated can still contract the virus and can still spread it and still get sick. But our the vaccine was to um, lighten the you know virus impact on people and on the hospitals. This is like reportedly what was going on early on people said that if you have the vaccine and you get covid you're less likely to die in the hospital less likely to need the hospital less likely to get really really sick and then somewhere along the line that got turned into the vaccine makes me impervious to the virus (laughs) And I remember meeting, this is like when it first started being um, offered here, people would be like, oh, I'm fine. I'm vaccinated. You can hug me. And I was like, what? Because you could still catch it and have it and maybe be more dangerous to an unvaccinated person because you think you're impervious to it. And like, you're free to walk about the cabin and it's all good now. And 
people who are unvaccinated might be more cautious, but I don't know, maybe not. And there was a, a feeling of like, I'm vaccinated, I'm impervious to it and you don't have to worry about me. But I feel like maybe I jumped timelines because now people who are vaccinated are saying that they're immune to or thought they were immune to it. And now there's the Delta that people are blaming the unvaccinated for creating. And it's now they're not impervious to it, but they were, but now they're not. Are you, are you following me? Yes. And here's my take on it a little bit. And so what I've been doing with my, my, uh, my, you know, we'll call it pseudoscientific research because I'm not a, a, um, a licensed, uh, licensed researcher. Right. But, um, this, uh, your people's viromes are actually being, um, manipulated through, um, electromagnetism, right. Through, through, environmental changes and environmental causes uh, to the human body and the, and the human mind, the brain, the heart um, and your cells reverberate off of electricity. It, it's vibrations, it's movement, you know, it's a, it's a form of energy. And um, I, I think when you, the vaccine, which has so many um, ingredients that contain uh like, you know, nanoparticles of metal and, and things that are easily controllable and malleable, um, through electricity or, you know, EMP or direct energy, um, forces and what have you. There's no doubt in my mind that the people that are, the, the, the people that are vaccinated could be, if there are enough of them in a certain place, then they could actually change the environment of that area, causing more people that aren't vaccinated by viromes to have the specific spike get charged in their system, basically. Um, and so the more people that get vaccinated, the more people are going to get sick and change sickness and have people's viromes get activated through just them being around other people and being around different technological devices. But I'm just saying that early on when people were getting vaccinated, the vibe was this is to keep folks from getting really sick. Absolutely. To lessen the effect of the impact of COVID patients on on the hospitals and on, you know, in general, right? And to help people not get as sick from it. And then it seems like people didn't hear that and heard I'm now immune to like the Wuhan strain, like the OG one, right? Which mm-hmm. is what I believe the vaccine was made from, made for whatever. Yeah. Um, and then somehow it got twisted to, um, we were immune from it until the Delta strain and now we're not, or but we're still less likely to get really sick from it. But I, I don't remember ever thinking or ever hearing that this was to make people impervious to it. I have clients that have, you know, said to me, well, I'm not going to probably get a sick now because if I get it like early on and then people confused it or maybe I jumped, maybe I did jump timelines and it was that. And now it's this, I'm not sure. Um, but in any case, I know that 
there is a mask mandate still on the island. So any like public place that you're going around, you need to wear a mask, stores and such, restaurants. I'm I'm not going to restaurants, so I don't even know if there is you're not um welcome unless you're vaccinated. I don't think that's happening here. I haven't heard of that happening here. Um I think that might be happening in Maui or Oahu. I'm not sure. I'm honestly so out of touch with things because I feel really overwhelmed with the media. Um, Mm -hmm. Not knowing what to believe, not knowing um, what's manipulated, what's real, what's, I don't know. I feel like I don't know what to trust. And the only thing that I am trusting is like people's eyes in the sky, like firsthand. Like when I heard that France had made um, a mandate that you can't go into grocery stores unless you're fully vaccinated, I didn't believe it. Like I called my friend in France that we lived with and I was like, yo, is this really happening? And he said, yes, this is really happening, my friend. And it was just this like surreal Orwellian moment of like, wow, you can't buy groceries. And I messaged him later and I said, well, how do people get groceries if they're not vaccinated? And he said they have to, you know, get carry out like people will order and then people come and bring your bag out to you or whatever. But you are not allowed in. And I just feel like we're creating this. to class society or something. It feels very bizarre. And I talked to a friend the other day and, you know, the very grounded, you know, has worked in um, hospitals and, um, you know, all about grounded, kind service. This person is like one of the most moral, integral people I've ever known. And I feel honored to call them a friend for 15 years or something now. And, um, you know, we don't really get into like, are you vaxxed? Are you not vaxxed? It's really no one's business, you know? And that's what they were saying was like, you know, not that long ago, your medical information was not uh, anyone's business and there was no one asking for it. And your job could say, Um, You need to go get a physical and see that you got a physical and that was it. They weren't supposed to know what vaccines you got or what your cholesterol level was or if you had an abortion or whatever, you know, it was, it's private and we're getting into this weird, like, it's almost like people feel obliged to be like, are you vaccinated? Are you fully vaccinated? Are you, are you not vaccinated? You know, it feels really like kind of rapey to me. Mm-hmm. Like, are we not doing my body my choice? Like for everything? Or is it just certain things? It feels weird to me. Feels very um, alarming on some level. And I hear you about, you know, Hawaii being run by um a democratic governor. I know that's kind of a buzz. People who are unvaccinated have said to me, um, you know, blue states are more likely to have stricter laws that are some people look at as 
infringing on personal rights and things or medical freedom, et cetera. Um, but honestly, it feels like if it happens here, it'll happen everywhere. And it maybe is just a countdown to let all happens. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, 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 um, mm-hmm. It's like you might buy some time not coming to a blue state, but ultimately could it happen everywhere if it's happening? I don't know. I'm, I'm being really discerning about where I put my energy and my mantra is I'm aligning with the highest timeline and I don't want to give a dystopian future, any juice, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. the timeline that I'm aligning with is the most benevolent to humanity and to the earth. And I want freedom of speech. I want personal medical freedom. I want, you know, I want us to come together. I don't want us to be divided. And whatever that looks like is what I'm signing up for. Like, I don't fault people who are hesitant to get the vaccine. Like, we're adults here. If you have a medical thing that you're concerned about, or if you're just unsure about it, I feel like that's, you're right. And I don't fault people who did get the vaccine because they have to feed their kids, because their job mandated it, because they felt better because they're 55 and overweight and have whatever. I mean, it's really not my business. It's no one's business. It's, yeah, and I, agree. I feel like I feel like anyone who hasn't gotten the vaccine by now has their own their own good reason. And it's mm-hmm. not my place to harsh them or judge them. Anyone who's gotten it by now has gotten it because they wanted to get it. A lot of people feel that they've been duped into it or they were like, that's my mother feels that way. She feels she was almost pressured into getting it. So then she got it and then she kind of regrets getting it. So then there's people in the middle. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not black and white and I don't mean it no. to, to sound black and white, but I feel like people made their, their decisions or are making their decisions and we'll all have to live with the consequences, whether or not yep. we have full like knowledge of what those consequences are. I don't think we do. I don't think anyone can know whether it's been kept from us or whether it's just time things roll out. I mean, yeah. I think it should be left up to the individual person to choose that for themselves. And yeah. as as somebody myself who has had COVID twice, uh, I, I don't I don't plan on getting it. I feel like I have because I actually got the virus. I have an immunity now, but even that it doesn't last forever. Obviously, right. I got it twice. Uh, so I got a different variant the second time. And uh, there's no way to, for me to know or for them to you know tell me. So, you know, we, we don't even know really what it is. Uh, they could call it COVID, but it could just be flu. They could call it flu, but it could be who, who the fuck knows. Uh, I think there there is like a seriousness to it. And I think... Uh, and the mainstream, they project that seriousness as like, uh, like something that needs to be done for the betterment of all people. Uh, but I think they're trying to infringe too much of their own kind of philosophy, uh, or th- way of thinking, I guess. 
uh, onto other people because they're the ones in charge. But I don't, I mean, I go different places on it, you know? Um, and, and really if, I don't know, it's hard. Like, I don't want to tell people to get vaccinated or not to get vaccinated or, or whatever. Who am I to make that decision or sway you one way or another? But, uh, I don't know. I, I see a lot of people that are having to get it for work related reasons because their work is mandating it. And fuck, that's, I mean, that's hard. I understand. Like, if you're an employer, you might want to have people get it. So that way, you know, you don't have a bunch of people out. So you can have those, uh, so you can have your employees there to help, um, get the work done that needs to be done. And then you don't want people, you know, dying or whatever that is. So I, I think it's hard for everybody. I think everybody's kind of in the middle ground. And I think some people just uh, kind of go to one side and then they, they, you know, want everybody else to do what they did because they did it or whatever. Um, and I think, you know, everyone's making peace with their decisions, you know, Um I've been watching a lot of videos on TikTok. Sorry, there's like a helicopter, a chopper, choppers, choppering in, <laughs> helicopter choppering in. Um, what I was going to say is there's a lot of videos on TikTok that get taken down. I'll share them with friends and they'll get taken down. And some of it is people sharing their adverse reactions to the vaccine. And people will talk about, you know, this is what's happening to me or have video of it or whatever, but it's a lot of censorship around um, people sharing their adverse experiences. And that's weird to me. Like in pharmaceuticals, when you see people, you know, advertising, you know, Zeljan, whatever may cause dry mouth, dry, dry mouth, itchy, da, 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 you know, or priapism, you know, and ask your doctor if Zeljan's right for you. Or whatever, right? And it's just assumed that pharmaceuticals have reactions for some people. It's just, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not magic. It's some bodies react different ways to different things, and there's not a one size fits all, especially in a pharmaceutical prescription medicine. Like I don't really work well with with synthetic medicine at all. I'm like that. 1% that has that weird rash and weird, you know, you know, anaphylactic shock <laughs> to different things. I can't even, um, honestly have like Tylenol and Advil. Like I get sick from it. So not everyone, um, works well with all pharmaceuticals and they put it right out there in these ads. But when people have a, um, mRNA vaccine and they report like on social media, this is what's happening to me. They're shamed, they're ridiculed, they're censored a lot of times. Um, yeah. It's weird. I heard somebody say something really good that, that was like, how about we just make everybody take a spoonful of peanut butter? 
and see what reactions everybody has from that because not every er, there's a lot of people that have peanut allergies mm -hmm. and they would yeah. and it's something simple as just peanut butter you know mm -hmm. that people don't look for at as like a harmful thing but right. to others it may be harmful and i think mandating something that has the potential to be harmful to other people mm -hmm is the problem and i think that's why people are fighting against it not because they don't want to help people because either their distrust or you know we're just everything seems so fishy and in the middle like there's you know it's so back and forth with what's reported in the media and how they're censoring certain people it, it makes people feel uneasy about it and i think that's probably on the fault of the government uh, really, because if they if they didn't make it such a big deal and tried to pressure people into doing it and then giving them stuff that's not healthy for them, like donuts and cheeseburgers and stuff like that doesn't make any sense. Like, how come you don't how come they don't just report on how to stay healthy and how to keep your immune system up? So that way, maybe you um, ha have a better chance of not getting it so bad. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's. I mean, I've been following a lot of um, medical professionals who are really educated and have a lot of good points on like health and nutrition and lifestyle and how to, um, you know, get yourself in the best shape to face, you know, because it doesn't look like it's going away anytime mm -hmm. soon, you know, so how can we get our immune system healthy? How can we get more fit and active? What can we do to like, you know? just bring more health and wellness into our lives. And that's kind of where I'm focused on versus like watching a lot of news and, um, you know, kind of feeling overwhelmed with the calamity aspect of things. I try, you know, mm -hmm. I get sucked into it, the, the doom scrolling and such, but um, you know, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of um, like alarming trends and it i i'm like my hackles are up around the othering that i'm seeing and i think i shared this with i'm not sure if it was this podcast but i saw a lady on tiktok talking and she was saying these are five tiktok accounts that i would like to see go away and one of them she said anti-vax nurses and she like zoomed in and she said, kill him, folks. Mm. And I was just like, what? Did she just call for the execution of a part of our population that doesn't agree with her? Yeah. And I reported it as hate speech because that's hate speech. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, if, if she had said, you know, insert minority group here whoa right but you can mm -hmm. say anti-vax nurses wow and are they anti-vax or are they vax has covid vaccine hesitant like i think we need to watch how we're labeling it too because plenty of people i know that are choosing not to get the covid vaccine have all their other vaccinations yeah they're they're just well, like holding back on this. It's like, what about all the reason. people that have gotten COVID already too? You know, I mean, why do, why, why do those people need to get a vaccination? I mean, that's a, like, 
should we be looking at legitimizing natural immunity or having um, like titered out? Isn't that what it's called? Titers? When, mm-hmm. like, if you've already had a disease, you don't have to get vaccine a vaccine for it because they test your titers. Isn't that something? I mean, I feel like that's a legit thing that people do, that I've gotten that before. I've never and heard t- of titers. <laughs> I think it's T-I-T-E-R. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. And again, I'm no professional. And this is all just, I'm just bantering with you guys, like what's what I've been seeing and things that feel a little off and you know, so, okay. So I, I, um, I reported that hate speech and TikTok came back and said, this is not in violation of our guidelines. What? Yeah. They kept it up. And the same day a friend of mine, um, was talking about, cause we're, we're Gen X and back in the day when you went to concerts and they played the ballad, like, you know, Freebird or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you would light a lighter. Yeah. And she lit a lighter to a song and TikTok pulled it down and like stopped her from um, posting. It was this weird like ban because she lit a lighter. An incendiary device was lit. I don't understand. (laughs) I don't get it either. Like how, how is that like harmful and, and dangerous? But like someone saying like kill all these people. Yeah. It's not, it was just, it, that's weird to me. Um, it's because yeah. there's one agenda that's trying to be pushed by the mainstream narrative, and that's what they're working to do. Sure seems like it sometimes. But what do I know? I mean, I, don't, I actually watched uh, an MSNBC video on YouTube the other night. And uh, you know how we talk about in the conspiracy realm, we talk about Trump and the audits and, you know, and Biden not doing his job. Well, on MSNBC, it was everything was like the complete opposite. And it was like Trump is going down for his collusion and him and somebody else formed some type of pact that, you know, they were going to try to manipulate the machine so that way he could win and stuff. I'm like, what is going on? This is like the total opposite of the other stuff that I'm hearing. And so I, it really just depends, you know, what news you're watching for some people. And if they're watching MSNBC or CNN or whatever, they're going to get this idea in their head that everything on the right is bad and horrible. Right. But I we're, think, you know, that's why people, manipulated. yeah, that's why people need to talk to each other more and have conversations and, and be honest with each other because, you know, what we see on, well, TV that would work fine and not, dandy if the, if the social media apps weren't literally steered to do the opposite of that. When you go to the place where you can talk to people and then they're choosing who sees what. Yeah. And they're, yeah. you know, they're, they're basically like shadow banning people talking about something or deleting people's posts. It's like, you can't even go and talk. You have to like congregate, congregate in your, in, in a, in a town hall. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need to talk to people in person on the streets and, you know, in the grocery stores that we're going to and stuff like that, not necessarily online because all that stuff is, is, is relegated. Well, I want to share. Go ahead. 
No, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to share this one thinking of it. Yes, do it. I had, um, it was a, it was a, maybe about a month ago. I had, um, one doctor friend of mine who has, um, stepped back from being in practice right now. And they were saying that they got some ivermectin for, I think their stepfather because they were older and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I really hadn't heard anything about ivermectin. This is before any of this came forward with it. And a few days later, I had a friend of mine who knew someone who traveled to California to get ivermectin for their husband who was really sick with COVID. And then it turned, he took it and it turned it around like 12 hours. He was 80% better. Then I heard about a second person who also traveled, had a friend travel far and how ivermectin saved the day for them. And then I get on Facebook and I start seeing all these people post about um, why are people taking horse dewormers and like all this meme stink about ivermectin and making fun of it and how people were having like their intestines pooped out because they were taking you know, ivermectin and like how there's no compassion for those idiots who are taking ivermectin when it's made for horses, like so much all in like maybe two, three days, right after I had gotten this information from three different people about how good it was. I was like, what is going on? So talked to a few other friends, mentioned it casually, like, are you hearing this? Are you seeing this? Because it was like a wave of like ivermectin stink and preceded by how successful it was. And someone told me it won the Nobel Prize. It's been being, um, you know, prescribed for like 40 years to people. And there's a human dose. It's not just for animals. And it's one of those, you know, items that can be prescribed in different dosages to not just people, but, you know, like I gave my cats Benadryl you know, I take Benadryl. There's things like that, right? It's not. Ah. So um, then I find out that my friend's um, doctor that was going to prescribe to her father or stepfather got um, essentially threatened saying that if you prescribe this anymore, you're not going to be able to get like Medicaid benefits and it was like some kind of threat like that. Like, go ahead and prescribe this. But if you do, you're limited. It's like this crackdown on prescribing it. It was really weird to me. And then I heard that there is a, I think it's ivermectin and, and two other things that I believe it's Japan is developing for COVID. And it has ivermectin in it. Are you seeing this, this sort of like stink campaign with ivermectin and then on the other side? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's being ridiculed. It's, it's absolutely works great for the symptoms of of the, the, the COVIDious, but, um, the mainstream media has been bashing it and people online 
And it's actually being like doctors are refusing to give it to patients. They're using one specific drug. Um, I was just listening about this on the higher side chats just yesterday um, about this, this, this other drug that that was basically right away prescribed by Anthony Fauci um, to use instead of ivermectin and, and, you know, uh, caloxychloroquine and um, another one. And in the test trials that Fauci posted and said that the medicine that they would use, which starts with a P, I can't remember the name, had a, uh, you know, a 50% uh, uh, rate of mortality. And so when people would hit the hospitals, they would oh. get dosed with this drug. And remdesivir? Then remdesivir, yes, exactly. Sorry, not a P, remdesivir. And so remdesivir is the number one um, voted to or number one, like mandated use of medicine for COVID treatment in the hospital over ivermectin. And it was basically announced by Fauci, you know, who obviously is the head of the NIH and, um, you know, what have you. Um, and they know they know how deadly remdesivir is and they know how effective ivermectin is. And that's just that. It's all part of this long-term agenda that's been stewing and brewing with, uh, we were talking earlier about privacy, you know, my body and my choice. Well, all that started to go away, um, you know, after 9-11 and, and, and privacy has slowly, slowly been, um, been turning more aloof and to the point to where we are today and we're in a battle. And so as long as we just keeping the vibes tight and we keeping it good, Mm -hmm. then we well on our way to Sam Hain. Beautiful day. <laughs> a friend of mine just got a new kitten and she's black and like an orangey marbly color. And I was like, you should call her Samhain. But I said, or you could call her Sam Hain, you know, and I broke it up and, <laughs> and I had to explain what that was to them. And um, I was like, you can call her Sammy. And she said we were already starting to call her Sammy. So mm-hmm. now she is Sammy. But they found her, I know they found her under their car at a parking lot. <laughs> That's the best way to find a cat. She's adorable. She's really like frisky and playful and right at home. Yeah, she's in a good spot. Hi, Sammy. <laughs> Auntie loves you. Hey, Sammy. <laughs> So is Samhain, uh, what is Samhain? What does that mean? Samhain is Gaelic for November, and it is technically the witch's new year by some accounts. Um, It's the third and final harvest festival or Mm. Sabbath. Mm. Um, So it's, it's kind of like modern day Halloween is kind of a combination of a bunch of different traditions from like say leftovers from Roman Pomona, like the bobbing for apples and um, like that, like orchard goddess vibe, like all the things that you're doing with like fruit and um, you know, that like trick or treat vibe is coming from like spiritual traditions of like begging traditions where you would leave out begging traditions have their origin in this, that you would leave out food for the passing spirits so that they wouldn't come and trick you. So 
now it's kids doing it. But back in the day, people dressed in costumes, like witches and ghosts and ghouls and things, probably not cute. Because if you had to go out on Samhain Eve, where the veils are the thinnest and the dead are passing through the veils to the next world, you want you want to blend in. <laughs> you want to you want them to think you're one of them. So you're wearing these kind of ghoulish, ghoulish goblin, witch like um, costumes, so that you know no one knows who you really are, and you're passing by kind of um, without raising any flags of like oh that's a if you ever seen Spirited Away, you know, um, I, I think of that that movie a lot um so i have a question yeah. i have a question for you. so as as a empath like you are or do you feel like you can connect with the spirit realm more easily during this time or is it like a a no-no to try to do so no i mean you, it's it's really a good time for that it's the the thinnest veil to the other world now. And then on the flip side of the wheel, we have Beltane, which is like late April into May is when I feel it. Um, is that because yeah. we're farther away from the sun? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know how it relates to the solar energy because in it just feels like the gates of, of life and death are happening on the, on the earth. I mean, I don't know. I've never like connected the distance of the sun into it, but it is like Samhain is the gate of, of everything is dying and we're entering winter and mm -hmm. Beltane is like the spring is, is, is blooming and everything is like coming to life. Yeah, it's an interesting thing with the cosmology because that is the time about the time when the the Earth is farthest. Well, the Earth is farthest away. I'd say December twenty first, right? That's the solstice, mm -hmm. so that's when it would be the farthest away. So, I guess entering the gates of being the farthest away is when it's passing through this uh, this period into the winter months. So. I guess that is probably like the last harvest. So they're trying to get, get all their food before the frozen time. Before the dark comes. Yeah. Um, so at the equinox, the autumnal equinox, it's balanced light and dark. And then after that begins the descent into like the, the dark half. Mm -hmm. And then the winter solstice is the darkest and then we have the return of the light. So it's a, you know, as most modern day pagans, right. Not all of us are, are farming or gardening or are aware of the cycles of growing things around us. I, I encourage everyone to do that as, as pagans, as witches, as spiritual people, as earthlings grow something in a pot and, you know, care for it and watch it's, it's budding, it's fruiting, it's flowering, you know, it's, 
it's withering and dying and coming back. It, it sometimes it is that basic to like get us back in touch with um, the the cycles of life and the cycles of life on Earth. And everyone is born pagan by being born on the Earth, in my opinion. Mm. Everyone's pagan, and then we're converted to other religions. This is my point of view. Yeah, I dig. I dig it too. Yeah, the uh, it's funny too which paths uh, you get taken upon throughout your life, and then uh, the path you find yourself on the on the final moments here on the earthly realm. So it's quite the story. It's quite the chapter book that people go through. I love it. Yeah, I mean, my personal spirituality and beliefs are always shifting and changing. Yes. Just ex- experiential. Expanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that answer your questions about sound? I feel like I can go on and on. There's a really cool yeah, please movie. Do, though. There was a really cool movie that I was um, cameoed in <laughs> back in, I think it was 1996. It's called the haunted history, the haunted history of Halloween, and they filmed the coven I was in in Connecticut <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I'm not interviewed, but you can see me spiral dancing. <laughs> yeah, I have like three seconds. One of my friend's mothers saw it. It used to be on. Um, it was done by the History Channel, so it used to be on the History Channel every year. I think they finally have made a new one, and they're not showing that one anymore. But a lot of good information on it, on Halloween and Samhain traditions. And also, they filmed our Samhain ritual that year. And yeah, it's fun. What's so, the name of this film? It's called The, the Haunted History of Halloween, and it's on, um, you can find it, I think, on YouTube. But it's done by the History Channel. And I was really new Rad. into witchcraft at that time. Yeah. Was like Will you be in. dressing up this year? Probably not. But um, <laughs> no, probably not. But I, I did actually get this really cool Samhain gift for myself. And um, it's this... Oh, I should get it for you guys. Oh, it's I, I wrapped it up and it's in its little secret pouch. But it is a crow talon necklace, like a, a torque. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. And I'm going to wear that on Samhain and like it's wrapped up now. I'm going to consecrate it on Samhain and wear it in my ritual. I'll just do a private thing probably. Homie, you getting dressed up this year? Um, I am probably going to assemble some bark, some sap, some uh, some usnea, and mm. some dried puffballs, and make a uh, a homemade uh, sweet garb. And then lay in the grass, and then scare people as they walk by, and <laughs> and 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 take their booty. <laughs> by that, I do mean money. Okay, 
kidding. I will not be robbing people this Halloween. Um, and I will, uh, definitely be dressing up. Not sure yet. I like to keep it pretty last minute when it comes to that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't like to put too much forethought because I end up just changing, uh, costume ideas. Mm. And if I buy anything too early, then I'm upset with myself because it's, it's not the, the current, uh, stasis of being that I wish to be on that current moment, you know? Mm. I'm going to go to a uh, Halloween Eve mystery dinner that's being held i like that at one of the uh one of my girlfriend's friends houses and uh basically she's ordering this packet and uh there's certain characters in there and so she has to have everybody that comes has to be one of these different characters that are at like the dinner party and it's uh centered around like um the, the victorian era and so there's you get like a list of people that you can be for for the event, and so uh, you I forget, should get a monocle. I forget the guy's name that I picked, but he's basically like this evil illusionist guy <laughs> with the monocle. Uh, yeah, I probably could wear a monocle, but it's a, definitely a top hat and a cape. Monocle. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you can well, rock that. I'll wear the monocle just for you, Roman. Yes, but, uh, it sounds it sounds like a lot of fun. So we is we do like a whole murder mystery thing, and everybody's in character, and uh, I'm looking really forward to it because I've this is the first time that I've done it. But I I really like usually like when I dress up, I get really into character too, and and try to stay that way all night. So <laughs> I yeah, love I, costuming, and yeah. you need to get some flash paper. What's that? Oh, like magic yeah oh that'd be badass oh right? yes that's, dude that's what i'm saying dude mm-hmm. yes where do i get that Ooh. i'm sure you can order it online i don't know but right. it, it does Slam need a little on. tiny little tiny flame and yeah. then but you can it'll just disappear into into thin air yeah, that's awesome i'm gonna do yes, that do i'm it. gonna have a top hat too i might like stick a dead rabbit in there rabbit fur not real rabbit like just like a pelt a, yeah or like a stuffed bunny animal or something you should make your top <laughs> hat really tall get maybe yeah. like a couple feet tall <laughs> yeah i'm gonna end up looking like a weird strung out vampire i think <laughs> just because the costume options are are kind of uh slacking unless i want to spend a whole shit ton of money which i don't but uh Aww. Uh, I usually go out. I usually go pretty deep and spend like about two hundred bucks for Halloween costume, and uh, do it up, man. But uh, I usually go to Goodwill and uh, pick random dresses. Yeah, and wear them. Good, Goodwill's creeps me out, dude. I don't like wearing other people's clothes. Like it's so weird to me. Like I feel like so many of those people's clothes that are in there are probably from being dead or passed on and i'm just uh even when i walk into those good maybe places, a small I get, fraction i get some <laughs> i get heebie-jeebies you know and smells funny too like what better than Salween to get to let those heebie-jeebies enthrall your spirit when you just put on the yeah, the well, fabrics of uh, i don't others. know what those spirits are that are gonna be taking hold of me you know that's a mystery of life it's beautiful <laughs> do you have any thoughts about that navier is that like a thing is can you can you like contract spirits (laughs) from wearing old clothes (laughs) 
I don't know if you can contract them, but uh, I, I think it's possible that you can, um, that they can have an attachment to their stuff still. Mm-hmm. And there's some items from thrift stores that I don't want, like shoes. I have uh, a weird we, thing we talked about you're telling us about this. And, yeah. and also used purses, like uh, pocketbooks or whatever, oh, wallets. Oh. I feel like I would inherit people's bad money juju or something i don't know i don't i don't mess with some used stuff but um everything people hello folks everything that you get secondhand free box or goodwill what have you even handed down from friends or neighbors do some sort of ritual cleansing on it whatever that looks like for you reiki Uh. it sprinkle wash, it with holy water wash it wash it wash it at the wash it at the very least but then do some sort of um magical cleansing on it also yes. you can burn incense on it or whatever you do um yes. but yeah i think that's mm. important it is yeah mm-hmm. I, I i strictly strictly did thrift store uh thrift store shopping for years i was i love it i was like oh jeans Shirts, flannels, hats, all of it, especially toilet paper. All right, recycled uh, toilet paper at the store from uh, recycled bamboo. What's your guys's like favorite like <laughs> Halloween creepy monster? I don't know about monster, but my favorite costume recently was poison ivy, oh. and when I when I thought about. Um, that costume I think it was 2019 um, I was really sad because I was like what is this I'm not going to be able to go out really and enjoy Halloween this year because I, I feel like Samhain and Halloween are two different things for me okay. Samhain is like my you know spiritual um, evening to connect and you know honor my ancestors and do rituals that I do and then um, Halloween is something different it's like you know um more festive. social yeah social and festive and dressing up in costume and going somewhere gathering you know and i'm not doing that this year i didn't do that last year and i just got sad that's all mm. yeah it's a weird time Romy. Yeah, um, me, when it comes to monster or cryptid, um, I, I, I tend to lean towards like a, I want to butcher it, the Kaz, no, Kazarok, Kazmo, Kazarot, the, uh, the South American Batman, the original, the original Batman, the Kaz, Okay. Yeah, I I like I like bat hybrids. Um and I like Halloween is always kind of batty. Yeah. Um like bats are I, I really love bats. I think bats are amazing, cool little creatures. And I love their skeletons. They got those big hands, you know. Uh phalanges are just super long forming their wings. And when I play role play games, I usually do like a Batman hybrid. I'm like a mm. 
like an emo bat that sells <laughs> drugs out of his wings and knows like all, all, all the cave owners. I'm like, yo, you guys, you guys need to go through this mountain pass. Well, I actually know a troll who runs this cave and I sell him a lot of blue twacks so we can go through it. <laughs> yeah. I don't so. have a favorite monster. That's so weird. I'm so impressed by, <laughs> I'm so impressed by Roman's well thought out answer i I don't have a a favorite i don't really do honestly i'm kind of like a wimp like i want rom-coms and like happy ending drew Mm. barrymore type movies that's because i'm i don't want to look at spiritual realm stuff i'm like living it you know it's not fun for me to (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. People are like, oh, I want to find a haunted house. I want to watch a horror movie. I'm like, Ugh, go ahead. Like, I feel like <laughs> I'm too open for it and it's not enjoyable and it haunts me. You yeah. know, I feel like we need to shield up when you watch murdery and paranormal stuff. Oh, yeah. The murder, the murder. Um aspect of movies is just quite disturbing, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I mean I just it's I used to be into I used to be into like Evil Dead, which is kind of good, you know, some of the classics. But it's kind of just gone over the edge. Uh, Camazots, okay, mm-hmm. Camazots, the classic Mesoamerican. Uh, like that's that's what Batman was formed off of was a Camazot. Oh, it was. Yeah, never and, heard this. And uh, let's see, here's another. Camazot, Mayan Bat God. Oh my gosh. Um, and then there's another there and then it's hard to find uh modern or like, you know, there's only a few pictures of the old ones. And I just mm-hmm. I just love that. I love that because not that many um theologies um that I've heard um have a lot of bat symbolism in their in their gods or deities, you know. So that's so I, true. I, I resonate with South American and Mesoamerican stuff uh theologies and try to dig into it because it's so esoteric because there's not a lot of information on it at all so it's really interesting cool man i uh yeah i was thinking about it i'm not really sure i'm i guess i'm just kind of partial to like a werewolf i've always wanted to be like dressed like a werewolf and i i still haven't done it uh, I usually typically don't really dress too scary. I usually dress like just pretty normal, <laughs> but like in a, in like a costume of a normal person, not necessarily a monster, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like I did steampunk one year and that's uh, fun. yeah, that's fun. And then, uh, but a couple of years ago I did wear like a full body suit of a skeleton man. Oh, I love um, that. And then one time I was like, a. uh, what would you call like a like Doctor Strange? What's Doctor Strange? I guess like a not necessarily a magician, but like a mm, manipulator. No, a <laughs> mesmerizer. Mesmer. Uh, yeah, like a like an evil magician. I guess like an say. illusionist. Like you're going to be again this year. Yeah. I, Whoa. I see a theme. Uh, well, this one, theme. this one's like more Victorian. The other one I was was more like a hooded, like a uh, creepy illusionist, I guess. Oh, you're splitting hairs. It's the same yeah, thing. maybe so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
I like the, <laughs> I like the magic. That's, that's um, what about a Lemurian? You. you should be a Lemurian. I don't know what they look like. What do they look like, Navier? Tell us, please, <laughs> in your intuitive uh, opinion. I haven't seen them, but my feeling whenever I tap into Lemurian energy is just like this golden, golden light. Hmm. It's just uh, barely any shape. It's just sort of this like vague outline of mm, mm, like a city. And then I see just everything is golden. Not even like gold, like the color, more gold, like the element, the mm. mineral, um, metal. Sorry. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Which is more other, matte, right? Than shiny. It's not. Would you say? It's not. It's not shiny, but it it's bright. Yes. It's like glittering in a way. Yes. Yes. But not not shiny. I know it's it's so weird for me to um, explain things that I'm seeing. That's why, like, when I do the um, akashic records for folks, I often have like tarot with me, just to like to have the tarot kind of back me up with an imagery that I can explain things sometimes. Um. Yeah. Anyway, but. Um, recently I did have a new kind of a psychic experience and I still don't really know what that was. I was sitting right where I'm sitting now actually. And just like, I don't know, watching a video or something relaxing and to my right, this diamond shaped golden felt like a portal came and it just sort of like, I heard that noise and it was this golden long diamond shape that stretched out, but the center was opaque and it was just this golden color, golden light. And it was maybe five feet tall, like all together Mm. and maybe three feet wide altogether. Um, but it, it had like a, um, like when you have a sparkler at, on 4th of July mm-hmm. and every, it's like, like, you can't really say this is the shape of it, but it sort of is like center around center with this like dandelion spritz around it. Dandelion seed ball spritz, right? This mm-hmm. is what the, the diamond shape was like. It was sort of a long diamond shape, but then it had all this sort of fuzz and glow and light with it. But it lasted a few seconds. I saw it out of the corner of my eye and then I turned to it. And just as I turned to it, it sort of just like collapsed on itself. Wow. Yeah. I've never had that experience before. I don't know if something was coming and going if it was already here and just decided to leave, I don't know. Hmm. I was wondering if it was a li- you know, connected to the Lemurians, but I wasn't thinking about them before, but I've been asking to connect with them. Weird. Yeah. 
Did it seem like a portal or a doorway? Yeah. It did? Yeah. Definitely something was coming or going. It felt like more of an exit energy, actually. Interesting. But I don't know if it just like peeked in and left right away or if it had been here all along and then just left at that time. But I mean, I don't feel like I have stuff in my house. I feel like I would notice. Yeah. Because it was a big energy. Maybe it was already open in your uh, in your psyche or your consciousness, kind of just uh, waiting to to peek itself to you. I don't know if I really think of, if I really like tune into it. It feels like something, um, just like manifest manifested for a few seconds and then left again. Like it said hi. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, we we're going to talk about the Minahuni. Oh, also. Can yes. We, can we talk about that? Yeah. So, what, what they are, what they look like, what's the mythology behind them? There's some myths and legends that say that they're the Minahuni are the race of beings that were here on the Hawaiian islands before the, um, you know, Polynesian folks came mm-hmm. and that they are sort of interdimensional that they are here in the physical, but also can kind of like how Bigfoot or Yeti is that they're here physically, they're making sounds, they're able to materialize, but then they sort of disappear. And like take a step into the next realm kind of vibe. And they're um, like kind of magical where they can accomplish tasks that would take humans a long time and a lot of effort, and a lot of manpower to do. They can do it overnight. Like there's this thing in Kauai called the Menahuni Fish Pond. And people say that it wasn't there the night before that it just like built itself in the dark. Um, hmm. I, I know I had a friend that um, when I lived on, I lived on Kauai for a short time, maybe like 10 months, a number of years ago. And I met someone who went camping at the Kalalau Valley and she camped there, set her tent up. She was alone. Sun was starting to set. She smoked a cigarette zipped her tent up and as soon as she did that she said she started to hear these like clacking of rocks it sounded like someone was dropping stones all around her tent and oh wow i know and then this eerie green light came into her tent and it looked like all the shadows of all the ferns around her but it felt like that was really beings. I don't know. This is how she explained it. it. It's hard to understand. I get it, but I feel like it doesn't make sense when I say it out loud. Um, but she had this, like, I think it was St. Christopher traveler prayer cross medal something. And um, I think like a, a 
a bottle opener, like a corkscrew in the other hand. And she said she just like knelt on the ground with these two things like in her hands, <laughs> like this corkscrew and this um, metal and just prayed for because it felt like so supernatural and scary that she didn't want to go out and investigate. And she said it was terrifying. And the, the crunching and the clacking of the stones lasted all night long. The light came and go, came and went, but it sounded like people were building something around her tent and all the way around. And she said, you know, the light started to shift, like the sun was coming up and then the clacking stopped. And then she said she felt that energy dissipate. And when she felt like the sun was up enough and they had stopped long enough, um, she said she was shaking so hard and she opened up her, um, her tent door and saw that right next to her tent was a big tree and the roots. And there was no way that anything could have like walked around it. And she had forgotten that. And because mm. she you know it was kind of sunsetty when she got there, it was kind of dark light, dark ish. She wasn't taking full stock of her surroundings. You know, um, there was no stones anywhere near her. Nothing. She doesn't know what that sound was. Then she realized that she was sort of on this like gravesite that it was this, um, you know, off the, off the path. And she didn't realize, but the, it looked like there might've been like offerings or something there. Um, but later she found out that she had been visited according to the Hawaiians that she talked to, that she had been visited by Menahuni. Wow. And I know. It seems, are they like it seems sp spiritual beings or they're like they're trickstery. Oh. You know, um I think about the word menahuni and I think manahuna like the huna of mana that they understand how energy works and mm -hmm. they can manipulate it and but yeah, you 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 hear them being like clever and trickstery and interdimensional in a way, magical beings, but they're little. They're supposed to be small. Could they be like the um, island version of like forest spirits, like goblins? Could, could they be, be goblins? The... Could be elves? Could be yeah, yeah. Um, you know, some sort Cerebrum? of fairy fairy realm. I don't know about like I don't know anything about those. What you just said. Okay. The, cher the cherubs. The cherubs. The oh, baby right angels. Like an, oh, I don't know. I'm not really an angel person. Okay. When when I do readings for folks that do have connections to say like the archangels, they will show up and talk to me and tell me stuff for the for the client. But I know that we're just not like connected or whatever. Like I don't really pray to angels or see them on my own unless I'm in a reading. But they'll come if, like, if, say, if, if you have, like, a big thing with, say, Archangel Michael. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say he was, he's probably the only one that I feel connected to, really. 
um, like on a personal level, the name Michael has a significance to me. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think about angels, angel as a emanation of L an emanation of the demiurge. I wonder. Hmm. So there's like a skepticism there that I don't know if I want to like go deep with. Interesting. I um, always think it's uh, interesting too. Like the Island has a lot of sacred areas that aren't, you know, necessarily they don't have the Kapu signs. They don't like, you know, you can be on burials or, or you can be on a grave on the Island and, and, and not know it because, you know, there's small islands and there's been a lot of people who have uh, lived their lives there. And, and, and so, you know, I'm not surprised that, you know, when people go out there and they're, they're, they're wanting to camp and they find an incredibly beautiful area that that area is very sacred and has, um, has a, has a deep history to it. You know, it's common on the islands. Yeah, absolutely. And probably all over the world before we had, you know, like big grave markers or sometimes it was just like a little cairn or a stone or a, you know, wooden cross or flowers or who knows what, you know, a stick with a, with a navel string. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you were talking about that image you saw of the diamond that was shimmery, um, I was. I went to go look up some stuff and see if I could find any images or anything like that, and uh, ended up coming across a place called the Ascension Glossary, and uh, it says Diamond Heart, and then which this is going to be kind of interesting. It gave me chills yeah. when I was reading it. Okay. It says a uh, Diamond Heart refers to both the crystal lotus heart and the light body of a higher heart activated human or the crystal heart network that acts as a central hub that directs the many tributaries of energetic current and frequency throughout the planetary grid network. Many of the earth's major cities across the globe have been purposely organized and built by the Masons to be centrally populated around the grid system of a diamond heart network. The diamond heart or crystal cluster networks or of of crystal hearts in the earth grid has been either artificially programmed dormant or cut off since the negative alien invasion. The crystal diamond heart bodies in the earth grid network used to emanate life giving pranic and spiritual force into the many layers of the human collective consciousness fields, giving energetic nourishment to all life forms, which increase or which increases energetic balance coherence and health during the ascension cycle the guardian host mission is to gradually support rehabilitation of the planetary grid to conduct and transmit tri-wave fields as a result of running trinity waves these central diamond heart hubs are systematically becoming more active or brought online the diamond heart crystals are activated within the human's personal light body when during the monadic initiation the thymus complex activates at the inner spirit connects with the permanent seed atom in the thymus gland the planetary diamond hearts are uh, systematically being reprogrammed with 
Trinity wave coding to be able to transmit cosmic divine mother frequencies back into the earth core and circulate that on the surface grid and into human bodies. Wow. Whoa. And then so send me this, that link, yo. Yeah, I will. And then yeah. this this extra part right here is uh really interesting. It says the diamond sun DNA, the orifem are a part of the diamond sun DNA Christos lineages. The original humans created from the guardian founder races line. <sighs> the diamond sun refers to the original design of the angelic human 12 strand DNA silicate matrix. And the diamond heart is directly manifested from this, this crystal architecture. This was the potential DNA and higher consciousness experienced by angelic human beings in the previous time cycles on the 5d parallel earth previous to its cataclysm the double diamond sun refers to the original founder orifem christos design of a fully embodied 12 strand dna and further access to 24 other dimensions of consciousness while in a human body when the orifem dna potentially is activated it allows the physical body immortality and the ability for the conscious body's full transmutation out of dimensional time. Wow. And that's what that thing was doing. <laughs> so that's, that's interesting that it says it's like the first people's uh, energy. Uh, and the Lumerians are supposedly like the first human beings of the planet. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting that that's what you said. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I wondered if it was connected to yeah. um the Lemurians because I've been asking to connect with them, but it's like not what I ask, you know. I'm because of my mediumship, I'm used to like asking and mm -hmm. then it's like you called, you yeah. know, like beings want a dialogue and they or they don't. You know, not every time, but so when I knock and they're like, you know, it's crickets. I'm like, okay, I guess they don't want to talk to me. But then it's like four days later, I'm sitting in my chair watching a TikTok video and which I mean, may or may not be significant what I was watching. Hmm. I don't know. But, and then it shows up. It, it's sort of like, you know, calling someone four days later, they, they answer the phone. It's weird. It's not how it usually works for me is what I'm saying. Two days ago, I was thinking about this teacher who used to teach yoga at my favorite studio in Portland. And I couldn't remember her name for the life of me. Right. Just couldn't. Hadn't talked to her in months. And like later that day, she just texted me like, hey, how are you doing? And I was like, oh, shit. Like, And her name popped up, you know, with that. And uh, it's just like. You know, I was going to like maybe try to like find my contacts because you know how you do that. You're trying to think of someone's name randomly or what have you. And then, you know, you'll go and like look and you'll see it or you get the first letter and it just pops to you. But that's that connections, things like that when they happen you and it's just they happen in their own time. You know, when the like when the it's like when you throw a sheet up, right, you make in a bed and you throw the sheet up. Whenever the other end comes down and all lays down softly, 
you know, just mm-hmm. happens. And then the sheets on the, the proverbial bed, you're about to snuggle up. Yes. That's how, <laughs> that's how I explain the, the wave spells, actually. I love that you use that analogy. In the Mayan, I talk about the the wave spells and how they, the one, the magnetic tone initiates the wave spell and it's like snapping a sheet and it just sort of oh. lies and falls and oh. comes to rest on the bed. But as it does that, that motion is traveling through the other tribes and giving it expression. And that's, we, all of us fall within a 13 day wave spell. And it's important to know what wave spell you originate from whoa that's interesting actually wave spells i've never thought of that but that makes a lot of sense because when you look even in podcast realm it's like there must be web sales wave spells happening because a bunch of podcasters will come out with the same topic of shows Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's kind of like, or the collective consciousness and what have you. And like, there being subgroups of, you know, your peers and what, whatever. And like some people being connected on the same wave length or thought pattern, like halfway across the globe or something. Does that tie into it too? Yeah. Because I mean, I think that's what, that's why I do for my Patreon. I do something called the wave spell weavings and I, a day or so before the wave spell kicks off. I talk about like, this is what the vibe is going to be like and based on what the tribe is and, you know, the color has something to do with it, where it falls in the Zulkin calendar has something to do with it. And sometimes I'll pull cards with it too, but just to kind of give like a little heads up, this is like in, in Spanish, like in, um, I lived in Oaxaca for a little while, they would say like, and it's like, how's the wave. And I Mm. think about that with the with this is like how's the wave like this is what the wave's going to feel like or this is the um energy or frequency of the wave it might roll out in a different way but it's coming in with this like this is its potential so mm. yeah it's a little bit of like a um clairvoyant take on things but based on the mayan mostly wow yeah. Hey, quick question. Uh, the night marchers, they're oh, different yeah. than the Menahunes, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got any night marcher stories? Because those are usually terrifying. 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 Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Um, if we have time, I'll uh, later after the night marcher remind me to talk about um the waterfall experience oh yeah um so the night marchers the and again i'm no expert but to my limited knowledge they are the ghosts of king kamehameha's warriors and they march on and they show up in different parts of the island. Sometimes people say that they're walking like the, the route that they took before. Um, there's a hotel here that I, I used to go to sometimes to like, you know, um, bring guests and if friends were staying or they have like a nice outdoor area, but they have this sort of like Hawaiiana museum with some relics and things 
And um, I can't go anywhere near this lobby because it is so powerful to me. The, um, I can't even think about it. The accoutrement of the soldiers, the warriors is big. And this is, I think, like their imprint that they're walking and people are spotting them and they're seeing their torches and they're hearing like, you know, foot, like crunching, like thundering footsteps. And um, they see ghost lights, spirit lights, torches, you know, like drums and maybe chanting. They, It's a sensory, it's many senses. It's not just like out of the corner of your eye, you're glimpsing. No, it's like, it's full immersion in, in the um, ghostly encounter, but there's different like protocol. If you were to be on the night marcher's path, you're supposed to like put your head down and cover your eyes. Some, some folks say to like, take off all your clothes and lay on the ground with your like face in the dirt and cover your face and don't look up, be totally still. Um, I've, I've heard that from more than, more than a few people. Um, I, my experience, I'm not sure what it was. I think it was night marchers because they're rumored to cross the saddle road a lot at night. And there are people I know that won't the cross old the saddle, saddle or road. new saddle, the old set. Well, I mean, it's been modified, but the one Still that's the like, road. it's, it's paved well now. Um, yeah. I mean, they might've changed the route a little bit, but it's, it's the road that you take from um, one side, east side to the west side. And you cross between the two mountains, Mauna Loa and Mauna Kea. Um, but I guess that that's a known night marcher path. And there's also some uh, like taboos around bringing pork over the uh, saddle road. Um, you're not supposed to do that. There's different little things like superstitions that folks tell you about. But um, I had a friend visiting. He um, brought my cat from the mainland and um, I had to drop him off by myself and my um friends were like, no, we're going to come with you. You shouldn't be driving the saddle road at night alone kind of thing. So we all went and on the way back, it was really dark and misty up on the saddle road. And I was in the back seat. My friend was in the front seat and her partner was driving. And we like entered this misty fog bank and I looked out the window at it and there were legit people like beings in the fog. Mm-hmm. Like they had a personality, they were interactive. I knew they saw me looking, they were looking back, they were moving towards us. It was very, um, very surreal, but I know what I saw. And it was like, if you've ever seen one of the Lord of the Rings movies, but we, he like puts the ring on and he goes into this sort of like x-ray realm. Yeah. 
it was sort of like that, what those beings looked like, the the kings, the wraiths, or I don't know, something like that. Um, That's the best way I can describe it. Um, But I said to my, my friend, I said, do you see that? And she felt something and she turned away and she said, don't look, Navi, Navi, don't look, don't look. Like she started yelling, don't look. Cause she sensed, I was like, what are you seeing? She's like, stop looking. And she like grabbed me in the back seat and was like trying to like turn my face away. But I was so, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, you know? Wow. Um, wow. But it was utterly terrible. I was shook for days after that. Yeah. So I think there's, there's places on the Island where there, you can find like a lot of like a hotspots kind of thing. Um, Down South, right? South point. I'm not sure. I don't know where the hotspots are. Yeah. So I camped down at South point. How'd that go? Uh, it was one of the craziest nights I've ever experienced. Wow. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> <it> about right. <laughs> I was, it was, uh, it was me and my friend and we went and stayed in Hawaii with, uh, one of our friends from high school and he lived with a couple of local people in Hilo and they took us out to South point to go, uh, camp for the night and the wind there is insane Gnarly. for one and for two we were camped out right next to a uh, pua ali is like this little mountain and then there was like a altar there and uh we're like what the fuck dude like why are we camping here <laughs> like the winds so the winds were so crazy like we we couldn't get we tried like for three hours to get a fire started and we couldn't really get a fire started. Uh, I think we finally ended up doing it, and we we got to eat. And then um, uh, he was telling us stories from the island while we were there, so we were already spooked out, you know. And the fact that we're camping right next to this altar was fucking weird. And uh, so I was like, I'm gonna. I'm going to go sleep in the car. I'm not sleeping in a tent tonight. (laughs) And uh, I slept in the car. And when I woke up, I looked out and like, it looked like everybody was gone. Like nobody was there anymore. And I was like, what the fuck? Where did everybody go? I'm in the car, you know? (laughs) And so like I, I start, I got out of the truck and I looked around and, all the tents had collapsed because the wind was so strong. So they were still in the tents, but the tents were just completely knocked down on them. And, uh, and they got up and I was stomped out. Yeah. I was just like, man, so crazy. And we went, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. Like you could really feel some energy going on. I mean, besides just the wind and stuff, it is pretty creepy, but it was an interesting experience nonetheless. Nothing, nothing paranormal or anything like that happened, but, uh, it, yeah, it's just weird. 
It's a super active, super alive place. All the islands are, but um, I felt it in Puerto Rico too. I felt a lot of spirit energy. I mean, there's a there's a belief um, in, like, say, Key West, for example. They believe that all of the spirits who've ever died on the island can't cross water to leave, mm-hmm. so they're trapped there, and that's why. Um, if you go down to Key West, all of the, um, like around the windows and under the porch awnings are all painted. They call it haint blue, which is a variation of Kant. So they believe that spirits can't cross water. So if you have blue all around your ceiling and porch and windows, they can't act, they won't access inside. They won't come in your door. They won't come in the window because they look at the ceiling and they think it's water. Wow. Is blue on a, a blue is blue on a, like a vibrational level. Like what, what it's, is it a protective color? Like, is it a color you could use intentionally to kind of like a coat and armor for spirit, for spiritual situations? Yeah. I mean, color magic is so powerful. And I mean, there's, frequencies and frequencies inherent in colors um, and magical associations that are like agreed upon, right? Like green and blue are like healing. Red is like power and lust and energy. It's also associated with like planetary work, you know, like red Mars power. Um, And then you think of like the stoplight and you see like red light stop. So if someone encountered you as a red, there would be like a halt, you know, energy. I like to think of like how we use color magic every day without thinking about it. Like, for example, in a stop sign or um, a red light, you know, yeah, we have, yeah. we kind of have those built in working with our collective unconscious too. And then, um, you know, people think of the beach and water and lakes and, it that's all soothing and healing and restorative, peaceful, you know, blue, blue. and blue. yes. And, and some folks say green, um, green, as far as like, you know, growing things, earth energy, take your, your refuge in the green grass. You know, there's like that sort of people love to look out and see like a beautiful field of, of green energy trees or meadow or whatever um yeah and then white has its own vibe it's like you know wave the white flag i come in peace i think of white as that i think of all the beautiful like white fragrant flowers that i know of seems like white flowers have like a high note of fragrance to them kind of across the board and I think of white as kind of having that high note of energy, kind of purity, kind of, you know, all things united. Yeah. That's a belief of Reiki too, kind of. I mean, I think people mix a lot into Reiki, but originally, originally, to my knowledge, Reiki was like a restoration of an innate ability that we all had to heal Mm. and heal ourselves and 
Dr. Ushi was the one that like channeled it and then gave it to his 22 masters. And they, and like, I'm, my lineage is Mrs. Takata. And a lot of people are lineage of Mrs. Takata. But um, I guess, you know, all the different masters initiated people and, and passed it down. But as far as I know, she's kind of like one of the main ones in Canada and the U.S. Most people I know are are of Takata lineage. But um, yeah, there's there's principles. There's Reiki principles about like, you know, being, um, you know, peaceful and moral and doing your work honestly and, you know, kind of taking one day at a time. And yeah, hmm. good vibes. That's cool. So since this is like Halloween time and we're talking about spirits and stuff, like oftentimes you hear about like haunted places, haunted houses or these negative energies. And usually you find out that it's from people like dying, um, like having like a bad death, like not a natural death, you know, because something happened to them where they like a fire or a murder or something or ill intention. Yeah. Do you have any like insight into why, why that is or why their spirits are unable to leave for that reason? Mm. I feel like it's a really thick subject and I don't have all the answers, but I can say from my personal experience that our actions and our life, our life force, our life force energy, and our thoughts imprint on people, places, and things. Mm. And if there's a big event or a emotional event or like trauma, it leaves a big imprint. That's why like people can, um, you know, visit a battlefield and some people feel emotion or energy there. Some people see ghosts, some people see like, you know, a, a replay of what happened mm. there clairvoyantly or otherwise. Um, yeah. So I think that some of what we're experiencing is a replay or like tapping into the energetic like envelope that's left there. So energy is like stuck in a loop or it just lingers. Yeah. You know? Um, but then I think that there are parts of us that can get stuck or left behind willingly or unwillingly unconsciously you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if all of us are, are there. I, I wonder if it's like pieces of, like you were saying, like all, when you say all of us, it kind of reminds me that there's different layers and levels to the spirit themselves. Like you have like the lower vibrational self, which I think, you know, and they're all attached. And I'm, I'm just speaking from in my, my like, intuition not necessarily saying i'm you know like the, i i know how the cosmic fabric works but we're all attached on the cosmic fab or a cosmic level and like i wonder if it's like the if it's like a, a, a an angrier 
uh, spirit of yourself or part of someone's spirit. It's the lower, lower vibrational part. And if it's something that's there, maybe it's, it's the, uh, another part of the spirit, or maybe our spirits have multiple parts to them, you know, light layers of sorts. I mean, that's what it feels like to me. That's kind of my belief is that there's, you know, parts of us, like there's parts that are connected to the body. There's parts that are connected to like the super consciousness that are, you know, never out of the super consciousness. And, you know, I don't know, but I, I feel like when we encounter things from the spirit realm, there's different things that we could be encountering. And I don't know if it's all human. I don't know if it's all um, conscious and interactive. It just might be like an anomaly. It's there. It's, it's just an imprint. You know, I feel like there's a, there's a lot to like qualify. Yeah. Do you, do you believe in the idea of a soul that people have souls? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yes. I, I do feel that. I feel that we are animating our earth suit with our consciousness with, which is kind of the soul to me in a way. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm not sure if they're interchangeable 100%, but it feels like along that line, consciousness and the soul consciousness is what's awake in the soul. Yeah. Do you believe earth is a closed system? Or an open system, like a closed circuit system or an open system? Things can come and go and enter out, or is it, do you believe that it's a, a closed system? It, you know, it's, I never really thought about it that way. Um, <laughs> so I'm feeling into it. And when I, when I feel about things like landing or entering like from outside of us, like from say space, I don't really feel it. But then when I think about like standing in my room and like feeling things kind of like slide in and out, that feels open. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Uh, I, I think, I think too, I think what like, you know, we talk about Lemurians or, you know, uh, ancient civilizations that have come and gone throughout the many megalithic stacks of years that we look at <laughs> like we think we can even fucking put any definition to any of these numerous fucking vast fucking timelines um anyways i think a lot of it has always been about ascension and and uh being able to work w- and understand the uh the dimensions of this like existence like the dimensions that are here uh, that there are many of them, I believe. And, and a lot of people believe that. And that's really great because it's fucking true. And so <laughs> you, and, and consciousness is just like one of the ways to get there. And, and I think that like all of um, our ancestors or, you know, uh, Lemurians and Mayans and, you know, potentially Egyptians, but I don't even know about Egyptians anymore. I feel like I, I there's a lot of psychopic shit up in that topic. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just ascension, 
um, and 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 expanding beyond this, you know, reality. We call it like the three D, the five D, all that, you know, what what have you. But that's that's what I feel like it's all about, man. It's interesting to me how the metaphysical and supernatural has been sort of like relegated to Hollywood and like fantasy. Yeah. I feel like that's a deliberate thing to keep people from believing that they are magical beings and in the last show, which you guys did a great job with, thank you. It was really fun. But in the last show, I was like, I don't want to come across as saying that not everyone can access their latent psychic abilities or that they don't have latent psychic abilities. Because I feel that that's part of the human experience, that we are wired that way. But I also think that different things happen for people like near death experiences or having, um, you know, haunted house or whatever that, and maybe a propensity from their DNA or lineage or whatever um, to be more farther along the path than someone else who hasn't had those things. But I also want to encourage everyone, if you're attracted to develop your psychic ability to follow it, Follow that desire and don't worry about being like anybody else. Yes. That's a, that, that's the most pure thing you can do right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because it it's, I think it's important for all of us to follow our passions and our interests and our yearnings, whatever that is. As long as I hurt nobody. Yeah. So you had a couple stories that you were going to tell us from the island. Oh my gosh. You want to, you want to share those with us and we'll kind of close out on, on those. I mean, we didn't even get to some of the other stuff we want to talk about. So uh, you're you're probably going to have to be a regular and we're going to have you on probably (laughs) once a month or once every six weeks or so. And, uh, and because uh, I still want to get into the astrology stuff and um, some other stuff, I want to get into like oils and crystals and and uh, and like different stuff that's used in magical rituals. You know, like in in which stories you hear like Hogsward and puppy dog tales and all the different stuff. I want I want to find out some info about that, like what you use for these things and what what it represents and why that it's used and stuff like that. Okay. I'm down for that. All right. Um, yeah. We'll do, that. we'll do that another time though, but let's, uh, let's hear some of those stories. So I have, I have two, but one's a little bit longer and kind of goes back to the Menahuni. So I want to talk about this one. All right. Um, Excellent. And it was on Kauai. It wasn't even on, um, the island of Hawaii, but it was on the island of Kauai, and I had met I had met a boy, <laughs> and he um, wanted to take me to this waterfall, and you had to like jump from the waterfall into this pool of water, 
And I told him, I said, you know, I almost drowned when I was a kid. I have a weird thing about, you know, deep water and water in general. I'm, I don't know if I want to like jump off a cliff into water. And he really reassured me that he would like 100% get my back. And like, this could be an opportunity to heal and overcome my fear. And I was like, you're right. Like, I'm sick of being afraid of heights, small kind. I'm sick of being afraid of water, small kind. And okay. So he takes me to this really cool, like hike in the, in the um, jungle. And we get to this rather tall cliff, I thought. Um, But he jumps in first and he gets out of the way and he motions to me like, you know, all's good. Come on in, jump in. No one around. It's just him and I. He's in the pool. I'm on the cliff. No one for as far as the eye can see anywhere. So I'm like, so I jump in with my Tevas or Chacos or whatever on my heavy sand. Chocolas. My, 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 my chocolates. (laughs) Um, so they're like now heavy and I'm wearing them. Like, why am I wearing these strap on heavy sandals in the water? Not smart. Um, and I also realized that I am in a current that's taking me downstream off these cliffs. And I'm like, oh no, I'm just treading water. I can't touch the bottom. I'm kind of in this current. My shoes are really heavy. I can't get them off fast enough. I'm like drowning. I'm like being pulled in the current and I'm getting exhausted really fast. And the brother I'm with is swimming to the to the shore where these like tree branches, um, tree roots were. And he's like climbing up, not even looking back. And I'm thinking, oh, this is how it ends. You know, <laughs> like that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to get taken down this river and I'm treading water, treading water. And I look up and there's two Hawaiian men at the top of the cliff where I just jumped pointing and laughing at me, elbowing each other in the ribs, pointing, laughing, jeering. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm getting heckled. I'm I'm like drowning and I'm getting heckled. I couldn't believe it. And then um, just when I was about to be like, all right, I'm probably just going to have to stop because I can't, I can't, I can't go on. You know, I'm just going to like sail into the rocks and hope for the best. You know, this um, crowd of tourists come from a path I didn't see before. 10, 15, like, white folks with shorts and, you know, cameras and stuff <laughs> show up. And this um, very tan, very fit, shirtless man with um, like lifeguard whistle and shorts and a buoy, like a, what do you call it? A foamy thing, right? Lifesaver. A, 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 like a torpedo shaped lifesaver orange. Mm dives in from the water from the water's edge where the tourists are and and swims out to me grab on he says i grab the the floaty device and he sail he doesn't this is weird though i never thought about this till right now he didn't sail me to 
or float me to the shore, which was actually a lot closer where everyone was standing and watching. He, he swam me over, tugged me over to the tree branch, to the tree roots where my friend was, Mm -hmm. which I think is weird now. But anyway, he did that and he swam away. And the guy that I was with, like, looks at me like, oh, what's going on? Like, who is this guy? And like, I didn't know you were drowning face, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I look up at the um, cliff where the Hawaiian guys were. They're not there. I look over to the shore where the crowd of people in the lifeguard just were. They're not there. And I say to this guy, I said, did you see those people? And he said, no. I said, did you see the people on the mountain heckling me? He said, no. I said, but you saw the lifeguard. He goes, yeah. So he didn't see the crowd. He didn't see the Hawaiian guys on the cliff laughing. But he did see the lifeguard that swam me over. So if he was real, I know the other people were real because I saw them all as clearly. But then I went, I was living in this like community land with friends and um. I went home and they were like, you're Ash White. What happened? And I told them and they had all been living there longer than me. And they said, you don't go in the waterfalls here. They don't, the spirits of the waterfall are tricksters and don't want you in the waterfall. They're considered kapu. And, you know, they, they were convinced that the people that came were like, like benevolent spirits that helped me. And the waterfall spirits that were laughing were the Hawaiian guy. I mean, they had this whole theory. I don't know. All I know is that I was probably going to die. And again, in the water. (laughs) (laughs) And I had intervention. Um, So, yeah, I don't go in the waterfalls or anything now. Not that Mm. I, yeah. There's not really a lot of waterfalls here that you could swim. But Kauai, there were some. But yeah. Look, Queen Anne's Pond up in Waimea. I've never been to it. I have a a little bit of a story for that. And I wonder if this has to do with it. Because you have to kind of, you know, it's quite a hike to get in there. You might have to go across a couple fences. But there's a rope swing there. And there's three knots on the rope swing. And... Uh, a few friends and this lady gets up there to the top of the highest point where you could jump off. And then she gets really scared and doesn't want to jump off anymore. So I told her, you know, we're yelling to her because the waterfalls are very loud. It's loud water. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, just, just jump off. You don't have to use the rope. You know, you're going to be fine. You're going to be safe. And then one of our friends, who's a good guy, I and, you know I think he has a couple brain cells, but he tells her to wrap the rope around her leg. That will help with the <laughs> the height of the jump. She, I was like, this is a terrible idea. Don't listen to his logic. I don't understand what he's saying. Definitely don't wrap the rope around your leg. That's not good. Oh my gosh. So she wrapped the rope around her leg, just just a simple wrap like this, 
and then she jumps off. And so since she had picked the rope up and, and decided to wrap it, there was a little bit of a slack in it. So it not only when she jumped, it like kind of slapped and like kind of put some tension on it and went straight. She flipped upside down because her leg was in it. So her leg was like this. And then the rope untangles as she goes head first into the water. Oh, man. Jeez. as she comes up from the water, she's screaming. And uh, she, we needed to get her out. And so she, we get her out of the water and then... You know, we had a couple females in the group, some uh, some Wahine warriors, you know, and uh, they they inspected um, her her um, her region down there, and she had like she had uh, done a number on it, like it, actually oh, one God. of the knots got caught uh, <gasps> in that that crevice area there, <laughs> and uh, and ripped it. Nice. Yeah, good yeah. word choice oh, there, Roman. Wow. Oh, <laughs> was that sarcasm or is that Yeah, like, sarcasm. Oh. <laughs> trying to be appropriate in PC. Uh but yeah, so I and and so I just don't know and then when it all went down, I, I looked at my friend, I was like, Why did you tell her to do that? Why did you tell her to wrap it around her leg? It's a where's your logic on that? And then she's like, Oh, I don't know. So it was a good idea. I was just like, Wow, I wonder if the waterfall spirits like took him over for a second told her to do this thing. And then she believed him and said, thought that that would be a good idea. Like she was manipulated energetically somehow. Yeah. Like, because the, the presence yeah. of the island or that waterfall is strong. I mean, you're on Aupui ginger all the way around. And, you know, it's supposedly the queen's old like bath and she would wash her hair there and, and stuff. So uh, I don't know, but I, I'd never heard about waterfalls here. It's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. That was a terrifying experience for me. It really was because it was so if you could feel like um like the the I don't even know how to say it. I don't even know how to say it. I felt like desperate. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't drowning, but I felt like no one was helping me. And then on, when that, um, when those men started laughing and pointing at me, it was just like at your lowest moment, like I'm probably going to die and I'm going to die being like laughed at, you know, ridiculed or yeah. it was, it was surreal. And then out of nowhere, here comes this like crowd of people and a lifeguard, <laughs> you know, I mm. can't explain it. And also, like, what kind of tour bus shows up with a lifeguard? <laughs> I've never seen a tour bus with a yeah, lifeguard. Yeah, that's interesting, too. Like, fully cheesed out with, like, the shorts and the the the, the lifeguard t-shirt and the red floaty. He had no shirt on, totally tan and buffed, and um, no shirt, no shoes. But, like, he came running down the path with the, with the um, floaty. I saw him like come around past the tourists and get onto the the sandy shore and then swim in. Hmm. Wow. Was, I know. It's crazy. 
And then they were all gone. Huh. <laughs> so fast. Almost yeah. like un unbelievably quick. Well, they couldn't have been spirits if they're Caucasians, right? <laughs> I don't know. Why You'd not? think they'd be more Maybe. of like Hawaiian looking spirits, right? I don't know. Unless Maybe. they were they were just uh, you know, spirits will take take form and you know mm-hmm. right? Like will they they kind of manifest into whatever needs to be in that, that psyche, in that situation. Cause a lot of it's penetrating your psyche and you're seeing, you're seeing what they're portraying, but they're either penetrating your field of vision within your head and what you're perceiving, or they're actually physically there. And you know that, I mean, there's, there's, there's a couple sides of the coin there, you know, and it's, it's, I don't know what the fuck it is. I mean, ultimately, we're not really physically here because oh. our atoms are actually mostly space. So, yeah. I mean, it's all kind of an illusion. And I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we, can, yeah. we can go down the rabbit hole with this. But yeah. That's ascension, yo. We can atomize, uh, control the vibration of our atoms, and we can go on to the other side. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Well, did you have another one, or is that all for us today, Navier? I think I'll save the other. It's it's kind of short, and um, I I think I can close on that one for sure. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Thank you, though. Fuck yeah. This is fun. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. We enjoy oh, we enjoy your conversations and your company. Me too. And, uh, you're they're always right. different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so we'd love to have you back on again, and uh, we will. I'm sure we will meet again in the end. Um, so tell the good people where they can find you. Sure. Oh yeah, we were we're recording, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just having a chat. Um, hi everybody! So you can find um, my psychic services and my podcast and my Patreon and my Etsy shop um, on Linktree, L I N K T R dot E E backslash A Wandering Witch. And there you can shop for Mayan charts, natal charts done in the sidereal astrology, actual sky method. Um, I've been doing like tidbits of Mayan with natal charts, uh, actual sky natal charts. That's been really fun. Um, And I'm about to launch a new line of things that I'm making with my own hands. I used to have... um, a candle company doing like spell candles and blessing candles and things, but I haven't been doing that in the past couple of years. And I've been missing like putting my juju into stuff and I'm about to launch. So it's going to be like crystals and mm-hmm. um, meditation tools for the witches and spiritually minded people. Um, I get one of those Lemurian crystals that you showed us last time. Yeah, 
those Ooh. haven't gone live in my Etsy shop, but I'm advertising them a little bit on Instagram and people have been um, private messaging me and I'm doing like private showcases with folks because mm-hmm. I don't know, the, the Andara crystals are like shy. They don't want to be advertised too much. This is the vibe I'm getting. So when people are called to them, I'm, I'm setting up like, this is what I think wants to show, show up for you. Like select ones. It's mm. weird. It's like a divination with the crystals. Um, and people feel um, connection or they don't, but uh, yeah. So I have a podcast, a wandering, Witch uh, podcast on Spotify. These fellows were on there and other good folks. Um, I'm about to do a recording for our Samhain show. Um, yes. I'm excited about that. And we're going to be telling ghost stories and not, on not about Hawaii, just personal ghost stories, me and another mm-hmm. um, friend slash guest. And yeah, Excellent. that's it. Come say hi. Are you doing Go it live? The no, it's not going to be live. I don't have oh, a way okay. to do it live because yeah. I'm off grid. And um, yeah, so it'll be recorded, recorded live and then um, produced and uh, published on Spotify. Excellent. Well, thank you, Navier, for joining us. And thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, happy Halloween to everybody. Enjoy the festivities. Be safe. Watch out for them blood sucking vampires. Feed your dead. Wake the fuck up. Everything 